0: Welcome to the High Roller Tide Podcast, a special bowl game edition. I'm Rob Pizzola. Momentarily, I'll be joined by Joe Fortenbaugh of the National Football Post as we break down this week's upcoming bowl games from a betting perspective. There are a lot of bowl games between now and next Thursday, 19 to be exact. We simply don't have the time to break down all 19 games So we'll be covering the games that we have the strongest opinions on. There's no point in us going over a bunch of games that we're not going to be wagering on anyways. So we'll give you our best plays for the upcoming week. If you're interested in my opinion on every game, you can follow me on Twitter, at Rob Pizzola. I'll be tweeting out picks for every single upcoming bowl game, along with some of my fellow colleagues here at the score. Let's not waste any more time here. We have seven games to get to this week, as Joe Fortbaugh, the National Football Post, now joins me on the line. Joe, how are your holidays going? you enjoying this college football right now?
1: I am. I am because bowl season's always a good time. But I'll tell you what, these games haven't been all that great. I'm waiting for some more buzzer beaters. I know on the first weekend we had uh, that Washington state oh. Colorado State game. That oh. was fantastic. For, depending on what side yeah. you're on. I know that you love the uh, Cougars there, so I probably shouldn't have even brought that one up. But for the most part, I'm hoping we get some more barn burners because the games have been good. But now that we're rolling into a much thicker slate, I, I really, I'm, I'm hoping for a lot more action. I haven't been too thrilled yet. And um, just like you were on the wrong side with Washington earlier, I had to suffer through that two-lane game later in the evening Mm. I'll tell you what Stop paying these coaches six and seven figures if they can't take a simple test that talks about the two-minute drill and game management with the clock at the end of games. Unbelievable what these guys do, pro and college, with their timeouts and their play calling inside of two minutes when they're down. It's really unbelievable. Yeah, you
0: you know, we haven't had a chance to talk. Uh, I know you've been on holidays. I have myself. We haven't had a chance to talk about the games that happened last week. But that Washington State game was probably the worst loss that I suffered in my entire life. They could have literally kneeled on the ball, and the game would have been over, and they decide to keep running plays. They fumble the ball. I, I, I can't imagine a worse way to lose a game. And then the kickoff return fumble as well. That was just the most horrible loss imaginable, Joe.
1: It was brutal because here's the thing. Late in games like that, when a team needs to make a comeback, they're obviously going to try to strip the football. You should be advising your players they're going to be coming after the football. i played on teams where that happened all the time. But here's the thing. Even if you give one away – that should be the red signal that goes up, the red flag that goes up to everybody. We need to protect the ball. I don't need an extra four yards on this kick return. I need to not fumble it and to still go out there and keep putting it on the ground. Because Colorado State stripped them a couple times yep. before they started giving it away. They, the players were just ruled down. To not see that, I mean, uh, Mike Leach, I don't know what you were oh, doing, but God! a really poor coaching job all the way around.
0: Yeah, Mike Leach is in my black book right now. I just don't want to hear that name ever again. <laughs>
1: Oh. I know that feeling Yeah,
0: <laughs> But you know what We've uh, that There's been some tough losses in the past I don't think I'll ever get over that one But we don't live in the past Let's move on to this week um, Some good games upcoming And uh, let, let's start We'll go in chronological order here So we don't confuse anyone listening out there uh, Let's start with the, uh, the Russell Athletic Bowl uh, Taking place at Citrus Bowl Stadium We got Teddy Bridgewater leading the 18th ranked Cardinals Probably for the last time He's going to be in the upcoming draft As they take on the Miami Hurricanes uh, One slip up was the difference Uh, for Louisville this year. They could have been in a second straight BCS bowl game, but uh, they finished 11-1 and one on the campaign with that only loss being to UCF in mid-October. This one, a big matchup for Miami as well. Uh, they haven't been bowl eligible the past couple years. Uh, NCAA kept them out, obviously, when they were being investigated. Uh, now head coach Al Golden gets to walk the sidelines during a bowl game for the first time in his three years as Miami's head coach. A uh, little bit of line movement in this one. Louisville open lane three. Now seeing it up to three and a half in most spots. Now Louisville, for me, was a fade a lot of times this year. I felt like they were a very overvalued team throughout the regular season because people were expecting them to beat up on their opponents but I'm looking at this game I think they're a little bit undervalued here I thought they would be laying you know six to seven points in this game Joe I like this spot for Louisville
1: yeah, I'm, I'm with you as well. I'll side to Louisville here for a variety of reasons. Um, look at the way these two teams closed out this season. Louisville goes 5-0 and straight up after the UCS loss. Uh, UCS, UCF loss. Yeah. They're, they're, that's, a, that's an opportunity when you, know you're be, when you know you're a smaller school and you're not from the bigger conference and you're going to be knocked out of the BCS picture. Losing that game, that's a reason for a lot of teams to go in the toilet, but they didn't go in the toilet. They closed 5-0. and Now, granted, they were only 2-3 and three against the spread, but look at those numbers they were laying. I think three of those games were up near 20 or more points, yep. and like you said, Rob, we loved playing against them in those games because they're not the type of team that blows people out. But when it's a small spread, they tend to cover. that's one of the reasons i like louisville number two miami they closed the season miserably they were two and three straight up one and six against the number over their last seven they covered one game over their last seven you look at the bridgewater angle here he's from miami he originally had committed to the hurricanes he passed and ended up going for louisville so he's the hometown kid who wants to show up the team that could have had a shot at him but didn't get him so that's number, that's number two or three. I'm not even sure where I'm counting at at this point. Louisville's defense, another number I like here, 12 points a game, 258 yards a game. They've been stellar. Miami's not exactly an explosive offense. We've seen them make some plays uh, throughout the season. Stephen Morris, the quarterback, Duke Johnson, the running back, who got hurt in the Florida State game. Uh, at times they've looked explosive, but that's not really their MO, especially not under Al Golden. Who likes to pound the ball a little bit? Who likes to control the clock? So I think Louisville's D comes up big here, too. And let's not forget Louisville 20-3 and against the number in their last 23 against ACC opposition. They've done very well against this conference. I think Teddy Bridgewater getting ready to go pro number one, getting snubbed as one of the six finalists for the Heisman number two, and the fact that no one talks about Louisville anymore. I think Charlie Strong's team comes out and gives a big effort here uh, against Miami, and I, I agree with you. I do think the number's short.
0: A lot of people questioning Louisville's motivation in this game, obviously, since they may have expected to be in a BCS game earlier in the season, but uh, someone told me this earlier this week, a colleague of mine I haven't been able to confirm it, but I'll relay it anyways. You look at Louisville's team they have a lot of Floridians on their team. You know, Players that grew up in Florida that were passed over by Miami in the recruiting process. This is a big game for a lot of those players who'd love to stick it to Miami, Joe.
1: Charlie Strong, the head coach, used to be an assistant at Florida. He was a defensive coordinator, so he's familiar with those recruiting grounds. And as we all know, there's a lot of talent down in Florida. Hell, I'm actually down here now, but you can't throw me in that category. <laughs> but I will say this. Yeah, he, he's comfortable recruiting from down there. And uh, they, they, let's remember, Miami hasn't been great over the last few years, but this is still Miami. And when you're a team like Louisville and you're a coach like Charlie Strong and you want to talk about recruiting, especially in the state of Florida, why don't, you, why don't you go to a bowl game and knock off the hurricane? teams and then go down to Florida and compete against Al Golden for some of that second tier talent and let them know hey why would you want to go to Miami when you can come to the better program who just knocked off Miami in Louisville
0: absolutely Joe let's switch gears to Monday uh, the Music City Bowl on tap the Ole Miss Rebels taking on Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets at LP Field for the first time since 2009 Ole, Ole Miss has become bowl eligible for the second straight year uh, the first two under head coach Hugh Freeze the Rebels were seven and five this season uh, they had a four-game winning streak earlier in the year uh, that ran from October to November. Georgia Tech also 7-5 and five coming into this game. Uh, they've been one of the nation's most consistent programs in recent years. They've qualified for a bowl game in 17 straight seasons. That's the second longest active streak in the nation. Looking at this game, Ole Miss opened as a two-and-a-half-point chalk, uh, seeing mostly threes on the board right now. Bowl season means that teams have extra tr- time to prepare for Georgia Tech's option. That's enough for me to play Mississippi in this spot.
1: Yeah, not a whole lot for me to add to this one as well. I'm leaning to Ole Miss. I'm going to play it with you. Um, this is the second straight bowl game under head coach Hugh Freeze from Ole Miss, last year they went 38-17 over Pitt so they've got a little experience under their belts and they've had some success, and, and that's the key for me when you have that option type offense and you get three weeks, four weeks a month to prepare for it, that's a huge advantage, and that's what we're going to talk about down the road with Florida State-Auburn but that's for another day, for now Georgia Tech, you give a team to get re- a month or so to get ready for them, and an SEC team no less, a team that was what, number one in recruiting last mm-hmm. year, uh, Ole Miss is on the rise it might take them a little bit more time but they're on the rise and you give them and those southern athletes this this amount of time to get ready for that option I think you're going to get a good effort here so same reason as you that's all I really need to say I'm going to play Ole Miss simply because of that
0: also one more thing to look at in this game it's being played in Nashville so you'd expect a pretty good following of Ole Miss fans there as well
1: Yeah, I think you can do all right with that. That's not too far from where they're located. Um, Ole Miss, they're not, you know, Alabama or one of these other major schools that's in a big bowl game every year. They've had some down years, and this is an opportunity that when you're not that far from home from where you play, the fans love this team. They do think they're on the rise, as we mentioned earlier, and it's a bowl game, which to them is still somewhat of a luxury. It's a great opportunity for the postseason, not far from home, like you said. So, yeah, I do think you're going to have a heavily influenced Ole Miss crowd here.
0: All right, Joe, the late-night game on Monday features Arizona State taking on Texas Tech. It's the Holiday Bowl being played at Qualcomm Stadium in San Diego. Uh, the Sun Devils 10-3. and They'll be playing in their third straight bowl game. This is the best season for Arizona State since it won the conference championship in 2007, going 10-3. and uh, The Red Raiders started off hot, winning their first seven games, but they finished the year 7-5. and They're looking to stop their five-game skid, but that's going to be tough. And there was some big early line movement in this game as well. I saw Arizona State open 11 and a half. That was bet up really quickly and now we're sitting at 14 basically across the board. I still don't think that number's high enough, Joe. I see Arizona State routing Texas Tech.
1: I'm with you. One of my big rules when it comes to bowl games is look at teams and how they're streaking going into bowl season. Are they coming in red hot or are they coming in ice cold? And the the key for this game is Texas Tech is coming into this one ice cold. They got off. The Cliff Kingsbury era got off to a great start. There's no question about that. He looked like he had this thing turned around. Then they ran into the meat of their schedule 0-5 straight up, 0-5 against the number over their last five games in the season. Um, That's not impressive. (laughs) And I don't know what from that I'm supposed to take that makes me think they're going to get it together for this game against an Arizona State team who's been pretty impressive. Todd Graham, uh, he's only been in Arizona State a very short time, but beat Navy in a bowl game last year, 62-38. I think Arizona State's got an explosive offense. I think Texas Tech has the type of offense to keep pace, but I really don't think you're going to get a whole lot out of them. They didn't show much down the stretch. They, they showed that they were young, that they were flawed. Uh, they were not I, I would to say they were prepared, but they just couldn't live up to the moment. Um, and, for, and for this game, when it comes down to it, that's why I'll lay the lumber here as well. I do side with you in Arizona State. I think you're going to get a big effort from them, whereas Texas Tech, this is just not a team trending in the right direction for me to get behind them.
0: I'm glad you brought up Todd Graham as well because he's been on the sidelines for four bowl games, three of them when he was at Tulsa and the one that you mentioned uh, at Arizona State. His teams have won all four games by an average score of 58-21. to 21. They're a big bull he's a big bowl game coach. Uh Tulsa beat Bowling Green Ball State and Hawaii in those games in years past. But uh Graham has a pretty good track record in these games, Joe.
1: Absolutely, and you got to look at that. Those are the things you've got to look at. You want to find these coaches because we're going to get to a game in a little bit here where there's a coach that's not going to give a damn and a coach who does very well as a dog with extra preparation. I'll leave that for uh, when we get there, and I'll bring all that up then. But you're right. you got to look at things like that because there are coaches who do an excellent job preparing their teams, and then there are coaches with a month to prepare who get outworked year in and year out so that's something to keep in mind Graham has been very good to us no reason to go against him now
0: All right, Joe let's move on to Tuesday's card we got a pretty good matchup between Boston College and Arizona very good running backs in this game with Kadeem Carey on one side and Andre Williams on the other side Uh, Arizona this year up and down season they've been a very streaky team open with three wins Two losses after that, another three wins after that, fell a couple games after that, and then uh, finally they crushed Oregon, 42 to 15. That was the signature win for them this season. Uh, but they do lose at the end of the year, 58 to 21, to the Arizona State team that we just talked about. Seven and five overall this year. They went eight and five last season. On the other side of things, uh, Boston College finished the year 7-5 and five as well. They're in their first bowl game since 2010. Now, Arizona laying a touchdown earlier in the week. I'm seeing seven and a halfs on most offshores right now. Boston College finished, ho- finished hot down the stretch. Uh, Wildcats are struggling a little bit here. I-, I think this could be a situation where we have a live underdog in Boston College, Joe.
1: Yep, completely agree. This game is at 7.5 just about everywhere except except the South Point in Las Vegas, who's got an 8 up there. What's interesting is Johnny Avello at the win, who's no stranger to taking an opinion, has this game Arizona 7-120. I don't think he wants to put that hook out there because the Sharps are going to be coming in on Boston College in this game. So make sure that if you're going to play this, you get at least 7.5. Don't settle for the 7 when you know right now the 7.5's are out there. Boston College... This is you touched on this, Rob. This is going to be a great game if you like running back play. Andre Williams, Heisman finalist, Parkland High School. I got to throw that one out there. <laughs> um, versus Kadeem Carey from UC, or, excuse me, from Arizona, who's had an explosive season as well. He's the guy that's going to fit into a lot of NFL offenses moving forward. Um, look at the teams the way they closed out the season. Boston College. 5-1 straight up, 4-2 against the number over their last six. That's a team that got stronger and stronger as the year went on. Arizona lost 3-4 down the stretch, went 1-5 against the number over their last six. That one cover was against Oregon, which looks impressive until you realize the Ducks absolutely quit and couldn't have cared less in that football game. I was watching that because I love watching Oregon play. They were turning the ball over left and right. They couldn't get anything going. They didn't care. Arizona got up. They played very well and they deserve credit for it, but it wasn't a great performance. Steve Adazio, Head coach at Boston College turns the Golden Eagles from a two-and-ten team to a seven-and-five. Five team in one year. I think they're going to come in with a lot of motivation. You look at Rich Rodriguez from Arizona, one in five against the number in his six career bowl games. That's not something I'm willing to back. So I'm with you here. I think we got a live dog in Boston College. Uh, this is one where you might want to play the money line, and as well to taking the points because Boston College, I think you're going to get a real strong effort here.
0: Absolutely, They've, they played two big games earlier in the year against Florida State and Clemson in the ACC. They put scares into both of those teams. Uh, you know, this Boston College team can play, Joe. That we've seen them play up to level of competition earlier in the year.
1: Yeah, they turned around quickly. And just think, if you get some more talent in there, what this team's going to be capable of doing. I look at Arizona, and I look at Rich Rod, I think finesse. I look at Boston College, I think physicality. I do like the Eagles here. Um, I'm definitely going to be taking the points. Like I said, make sure you get at least the 7.5 worst case. This thing might go higher. You might get 8, 8.5, but those are relatively dead numbers. Yep. They don't mean a whole lot until it gets to 10. If you get stuck with 7 here, you're going to be missing the best of it. And with Avello keep, at the win, keeping this game at 7 one twenty, you know he's got an opinion and he likes, Boston College.
0: Later on Tuesday afternoon, the 10-win Rice Owls take on the SEC's Mississippi State Bulldogs in the 55th Liberty Bowl. Uh, Rice finished 10-3. and They reeled off four straight wins. They earned a spot in this game by beating up on Marshall in the Conference USA Championship game. Uh, they haven't played in consecutive bowl games. They'll be playing, excuse me, for consecutive bowl games in the first time since 1961. On the opposite side of things, Mississippi State uh, going bowling for a school record fourth straight season. The Bulldogs have won five of their last six bowl games with the loss coming against Northwestern last year in the Gator Bowl. Uh, Mississippi State laying seven points all week looks to me especially with friends that i've talked to a lot of people scratching their heads wondering how a 10 win team is a touchdown underdog to a six win team Uh, but a lot of people forget that records mean nothing at this time of year joe
1: yeah, and not only that, look at who Rice has beaten. And I don't want to take anything away from them because this is a much better season than a lot of people thought. There were a couple of sharper guys in Vegas who liked the over on Rice to start the year um, for the season win total, and they didn't get off to a hot start. Obviously, you play Texas A&M. Even without Johnny Manziel, you're going to run into problems. But this team played very, very well this season. The problem is look at the schedule. Who have they beaten? Who's the marquee win for Rice this season? Because I'm looking at my notes right now, and I think it's a 41-24 win over Marshall. That's a far cry from what Mississippi State goes up against each and every week when it comes to SEC competition. So when you take a look at that, that's what get, that's what scratches my head a little bit about Rice. I want to love Mississippi State. I'm not sure I can get there yet, but I am going to play him in this game. Um, seven isn't the best of numbers to be laying, especially, like you said, with a, a Rice team that's going to come in motivated. But um, my final note on this, Michigan, Mississippi State, not a lot of love this year. 4-0 and against the number to close out the season. They did make a lot of money for their backers at the end of the year. So right now, that's where I'm leaning. I, I might end up loving this game. I have to research it further. But uh, where I sit right now, I lean the Mississippi State because Rice, as good as that record's been, and there's some... There's some decent wins on there against teams that most people have never heard of, but put up decent seasons. There's not a single win against a real quality opponent outside of Marshall, who let's face facts, Marshall isn't exactly an SEC football
0: team. Yeah, and I love that the public is backing Rice in this game as well. We've learned so far in the bowl season that the public's been getting beat down by the bookies so far. And you look at yesterday's games; we had you know a 12-win Northern Illinois team taking on an eight-win Utah State team, and they get upset. Also, you know a pit team with only six and six on the year. Uh, they beat a Bowling Green team that was thought to be uh, a pretty good squad as well. So we've seen these teams with worse records. Uh, they, they've been able to take care of business and, and the, the public's been getting hurt in these games, Joe. Yeah,
1: and that's it. That, that leads me to a real interesting note that we should mention. You want to keep an eye the first couple of weeks of bowl season how every conference is doing against the opposition because those same conferences are going to have games later in bowl season and you might want to fade them. Case in point, take a look at the MAC. Uh, they have not played very well at all in bowl season. Two of their marquee schools Northern Illinois and Bowling Green both falling flat on their face, both failing to cover. Ball State is playing, I believe uh, Arkansas, Arkansas state. state. Yep. Late, late in bowl season, real late in bowl season. You might want to keep an eye on that because at one point, you know, we we played ball, ball State all season long. They were very good to us, and they're a big favorite in that game. But suddenly, you might want to scratch your head and take a second look at that because the way the rest of their conference is faring right now does not bode well for them.
0: Yeah, that's the second last bowl game of the year, the GoDaddy Bowl. Ball State and Arkansas State, Sunday, January fifth. So interesting point. I'm sure we'll talk about that game on the show next week Uh, Joe the next game here is is one of my favorite games of the bowl season I know you're not too big on it but uh, LSU taking on Iowa Uh, this is interesting game because Mettenberger is out for LSU and I figured that you would see uh, you know a change in the spread in this game but it's not reflecting the loss of Mettenberger in my opinion Uh, you know the Tigers still laying a touchdown in this spot for me Iowa is a live dog in this game Joe
1: yeah, you know what? The more I look into this, the more I agree with you. I'm definitely going to be playing Iowa in this game. Um, you've got it as high as 7.5 in Vegas at most shops, but there are 8s out there. There's 8s at Stations, the Gold Nugget, canner has got an 8, and the LVH has an 8 as well. So you might be able to get a little bit more. The public's going to look at this game on January 1st, and they're going to see LSU and think SEC power. Right. And they're going to see Iowa, and they're not going to think much of it. But that's a big mistake because here's what you've got. Mettenberger's out for LSU. That's a big factor going against an Iowa defense that has played very, very well this season. Um, I've got the numbers right here: 19 points a game, uh, only 19 points a game surrendered. So you, when you're without your starting quarterback, going up against a team that can play some good defense, that's a concern. If you're going to be laying eight points. Number two, Kirk Ferentz, head coach at Iowa, yep, yep. you give him a month to prepare. He's going to cause some problems for you. He is six and two against the number in his last eight as a bulldog. So when he's an underdog in bowl games. Six and two against the number over his last eight. I love the fact that he gets a month of prepared. I was thrilled to be playing in a January 1st bowl game compared to how last season went. LSU, I really don't think they care much about this. You'll get some sort of effort. LSU's a talented team. This reminds me very much of a game. I think it was four or five years ago. I think it was the same bowl game, too. LSU was playing Penn State. Penn State was thrilled to play in the game. LSU couldn't have cared less. Talent-wise, the Tigers absolutely should have dominated the Nittany Lions. And when all th- when it was all said and done, Penn State won outright in a shocker um, where most people said due to the rain it counteracted LSU's speed Uh, but Penn State had some speed of its own and that's what I'm thinking here you get a motivated Big Ten team I know we don't like the Big Ten all that much and that the SEC is the premier power but these SEC teams are just like anybody else if they're not excited to play football they might not show up and I was thrilled to be here
0: Yeah and also just to add to that you know you bet on SEC teams in bowl season you're paying a premium because everyone wants to bet on the SEC teams odds makers know that and these lines are inflated because of that so you can get good value betting against against some of these big SEC schools. The
1: question- is how long do we wait on this game? The seven and a halfs and eights are there, but do we risk the fact? Because sometimes I sit here and I wait on these games, saying I might get more, and then the sharps come in pounding the line, and the next thing I know, it's seven, and it might—I doubt it gets to six and a half, but it gets down to seven. I don't want to miss the hook. So, what do you think would be your buy point here?
0: Yeah, well, usually what I do in situations like that is I'll, I'll place half of my bet on the plus seven seven and a half, and then I'll hold out for a little bit while uh, for a little while longer to see if I can get a better number. But realistically, you know, you mentioned it eight eight and a half dead number nine a little bit you know better but still pretty dead as well realistically it has to get to, to 10 to create some real line value
1: I like that, I like that approach there too, very smart because then it turns out if the numbers go against you, uh, you realize you're on the sharp side, you got half your bet down there, right. if they skyrocket the other way, you can always get more on, or you can think to yourself, maybe I'm on the wrong side, but at least I've got a small portion on the play I like anyway
0: Alright Joe, let's close this up uh, with a big game on New Year's Day, 4th ranked Michigan State, 5th ranked Stanford, it's the 100th edition of the Rose Bowl uh, Mark D'Antonio finally has led Michigan State to Pasadena, they lost out on a BCS tiebreaker in 2010, and they fell in a heartbreak To Wisconsin in the inaugural conference title game the following year, 2011. This will mark Michigan State's first appearance in any BCS bowl. Uh, While coach David Shaw has guided Stanford to one of the college football's marquee games in each of three seasons since taking over for Jim Harbaugh in 2011, the Cardinal won their first Rose Bowl in 40 years as they beat Wisconsin 20-14 to last season. Money pouring in on Stanford this week. They were once a three-point favorite at the opener, now up to six points across the board. Uh, I don't disagree with the movement at all. I loved Stanford early on in the week. I still like them this week, Joe.
1: Yeah, I played Stanford at four. Six is a little bit questionable, which I'd still probably play it at at less than a touchdown. Um, the only thing is this game's totaled at 43, right. and that's a very low number for a college football game. So to cover six in a game total of 43 raises some question marks. But you hit a lot, a lot of the points of why, why you got to love Stanford here. Um, first and foremost, I'm looking for the notes. Stanford, this is their four-straight BCS game. This is no surprise. They're used to these games. They know what the big stage in, in, entails. The Michigan State, they might have those early early game jitters. This is, this is much farther out of their range. They're not used to stuff like this. Number two, the big suspension, senior linebacker and team captain, Max Bullock, suspended for the Michigan State Spartans. He's a huge part of what makes that defense go. He's not going to be playing in this game. That's a big problem. This game, even if you don't get down on action, this should be exciting if you like smash-mouth football because it's going to be very, very physical. But outside of that, I can't find a reason to play Michigan State. I mean, maybe maybe if this thing got to seven or higher, you start looking at it, but I still wouldn't even play it. I, I want to be on Stanford at less than a touchdown. I grab the four, I'd probably take the six. It um, is a team with the experience. They're very, very good in these spots. Um, and I, and I think that when you look at Michigan State Like I hit on earlier, I'm just reiterating the same point I think the stage is too big and they might stumble a bit early And that gives Stanford the edge they need to hold on late in the
0: game Yeah, that's a huge factor in this game Stanford, like you mentioned, fourth consecutive BCS Bowl appearance They have experience in these type of games The Spartans haven't been to a big bowl game in forever um, So obviously not experience at all And also, a big note on this game The Big Ten, 1-9 in, nine in uh, Rose Bowl since 2000 as well They've been horrible in these games, Joe
1: And that's what happens when you step out of class. We liked Michigan State, that game against Ohio State. We cashed those tickets. We did well. But let's remember, Ohio State, all we said all year was that we thought they were Mm frauds. We thought they were overrated. They hadn't played anybody. Then they played Michigan State and lost. But what does that mean? Does that mean Michigan State's this juggernaut? Or does that mean they're they're both, you know, does that mean Ohio State's not that great and they got exposed by a team that's slightly better? That's what I think happened. You step outside the conference and take on a team like Stanford. There are a lot of people that, despite the multiple losses on Stanford's resume, Still think they're a top four or five team that would be in a four-team playoff if we had that this year there's a lot of respect for this stanford football team whereas the big 10 exposed themselves late in the year as not being very good so yeah we talk about how we like iowa in one situation but right here i i can't get behind michigan state i just don't i think the cards are stacked up too heavy against them
0: yeah and that spartans buckeyes game if you recall joe if michigan state doesn't get out to that big early lead they lose that game and we're not high on ohio state at all so uh You know, if Michigan State was going to lose that game to Ohio State, probably should have lost that game to Ohio State. That doesn't say much about this team.
1: Yeah, and let's remember, that was supposed to be a low-scoring physical game as well, and um, Ohio State gave up a ton of points to Michigan State, and then at the same time scored a decent amount against that defense that's supposed to be so nasty. I think Stanford's better than Ohio State. I think they can score just as many, but I think they can hold better on defense. Remember, this is a team that's played Oregon. This is a team that's played USC. I mean, granted, they haven't won all these games, but they've gone against some really quality offenses. What Michigan State's going to be trotting out there does not stack up.
0: All right, Joe, that's it for this week's edition of High Roller Tide. For all the listeners out there, head over to NationalFootballPost.com this weekend as Joe will be posting uh, his second uh, betting primer for the bowl season, Volume 2. Always some good trends and analysis in those betting primers. You can also follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Fortbaugh, and myself, at Rob Pizzola. Joe, as always, it was a pleasure breaking it down. Enjoy the games this week. Good luck to you, and we'll do it again next week.
1: You too, my friend. I think we're going to get into some real exciting stuff here. And I think next week when we finally get to start talking about some of these major games as well, it's going to be a lot of fun to close out this season.
0: Absolutely, Joe. Good luck this week. All right. We'll recap really quickly. The Russell Athletic Bowl. We like Louisville over Miami. We're laying the points with Ole Miss over Georgia Tech in the Music City Bowl, taking Arizona State to crush Texas Tech in the Holiday Bowl. Uh, We'll grab the points with Boston College against Arizona. I'm also going to sprinkle on the money line in that game. That's the Advocare V100 Bowl. Uh, Lay the touchdown with Mississippi State against Rice in the Liberty Bowl. Uh, We're taking the points with Iowa against LSU in the Outback Bowl. And finally, the final play takes Stanford to cover against Michigan State in the 100th Rose Bowl. This has been a special bowl game edition of High Roller Tide. Thanks for listening, and good luck with your plays this week.
1: For even more of the
0: best picks in football this week, be sure to follow us on Twitter. At Rob Pizzola and at Joe Fortenbaum.